Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Wherever you find American troops today, you'll find the men of the Transportation Corps. Enough and on time. That's the story we tell you today. The story of the Army Quartermaster Corps. These youthful servicemen are members of the Army's Military Police Corps. One of the most important forces behind the lines. The Army Ordnance Corps. Hello and welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. My name is Captain DeBraj Mukherjee from the 19th ESC PA office. With me, I have today the 19th ESC IG section, uh, Sergeant First Class Alicia Piggott and Captain Sammy Delaney. How are y'all doing today? Well, well, So today we're going to talk about uh, leadership, uh, primarily counterproductive leadership. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to start with talking about uh, what is the Inspector General. I think the Inspector General's office of all the staff sections probably has the most myths and misconceptions about it. Right. So um, the inspector general, we pretty much um, act as the eyes, ears, and conscience of the commander. Um, we aid in assistance investigations, inspections, and we teach and train. Okay. So if I get an OER, if I get an HQ on my OER, can I just bring it to you and get it turned into an MQ? Or No, that's not how that works. Uh, okay. So definitely we, there there's an array of things that we do, but we don't do things that have due process. So what that means, if there's a process that has to be done in order to get a final result, let that process happen. Then if you feel that the process wasn't done correctly, then yes, absolutely come to our office so that we can ensure that we're following the regulations. Okay, awesome. So what are, so aside, I'm sure the OER question is one that you guys get all the time, but what are some other like uh, misconceptions and myths that people come to the IG office for? So um, a lot, you know, a lot of people think, you know, we're here to get some pe- people in trouble. So a lot of, uh, ah, you know. Commander yeah. secret executioners? A- absolutely. So, um, you know, we're actually here to assist, you know, we're needed. So if something's going wrong, you know, we're here to more assist than Get okay. people, we don't get p- people in trouble, nor do can we direct and tell commanders, you know, what they should should do. We just give guidance, but we can't tell them what to do. Gotcha. You know, I actually never knew what IG did until right before I became a commander. So, <laughs> embarrassing truth about embarrassing truth about me is, uh, so we actually went through a pre command course, and uh, the IG came and spoke to us, and I that's where I found out that you know IG is a very important tool for commanders, and I definitely uh, went to the IG office myself quite a bit just to get my left and right limits on you know what I could and couldn't do. So uh, definitely a very valuable resource for commanders. Absolutely. We encourage all first-time company commanders, their first sergeants, to come to our office, sit down with us, get to know us, so we can give you an in-brief on your right and left limits. Just like legal, we're your best friends. Oh, yeah, We want to keep you out of trouble. (laughs) So please come to our office if you have any questions. Have us on speed dial. You know, we're there to assist. I mean, if we don't know the answer right then and there, like the Army, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. Give me an hour or so, and I'll give you a call back. Yeah, that's a that's a board answer right there. Yeah, I think uh, I think I had two uh, – every week I had two standing appointments. One was with Jag and one was with IG just to make sure, like, you know, just to help me help me uh, keep on the right track. And absolutely, uh, all my experiences with IG have been uh, pretty good. I, I never got an OER bumped up, and I think you offered to fix our printer earlier. So is that – that's a service? Don't that... hold me accountable. We do not stand on record. There, oh. There's little small tidbits of being in the IG office, and we're never on the record. 
just ah, like legal. Okay. So um, I could uh, I could assist you <laughs> in some type of way of figuring out what your budget lo- ah, looks like. Okay. You could help me find the answer. Uh, so uh, so we're here to talk about counterproductive leadership. And so before we talk about uh, the counterproductive aspects of leadership, what are the what is the army's expectations of a leader? Like what? How does the army define like a good leader? So, um, you know, based off character, presence, you know, kind of intellect. So um, we go, you know, we have our army values, um, war ethos and stuff like that. So we live by army values for sure. I don't know if you want to add anything. Yeah. So for our army leader, be right, be in the right place on time Mm -hmm. um, and have a good moral compass. But you have, as she said, as Captain, excuse me, as Sergeant First Class Pickett said, your AR 600-100 Army Profession and Leadership Policies kind of give you give you that guideline so that everybody has something to refer to. Um, And you have those key attributes. And we primarily look at, like she said, the character, the presence and the intellect. So that way people feel comfortable coming to us as leaders. Um, If we know what we're saying, people trust us. And that's what also makes a good leader. Can somebody trust me and what I have to say? Absolutely. And when you say like character, presence, and intellect, I think about the first half of an OER. Not to keep bringing it back to evaluations, but yeah, like, uh, you know, we think about like the first three things that uh, you're you're evaluated on. Mm -hmm. uh, And then like, what do you, so what are you bringing to the table? Like, what kind of a person are you? How, what do you look like in front of your formation and how dynamic are you as a leader? Uh, and then, yeah, and the the um, competency is when we look at, you know, how are you achieving results? How are you developing others? And, uh, you know, how are you, uh, you know, influencing the organization? Uh, so it, it does seem like there are two aspects, like, you know, what does the leader bring to the table? And then, you know, what is, you know, what is a leader doing? So if, you know, th- these are the expectations of leader, what a leader is supposed to be like and what a leader is supposed to do, where do we, where does counterproductive leadership come from? So, um, you know, sometimes, you know, is being in a work environment, then, you know, you have the bullying, abusing authority, uh, retaliation, Mm -hmm. um, blaming others, you know, poor self-control. Absolutely. So um, those are some of the things, just to say a few, um, that we have, that we deal with with counterproductive leadership. So a counterproductive leader is really somebody who's uh, not probably developing his organization or his or her organization is not really working well. So are counterproductive leaders more like in how they deal with subordinates or seniors or is this all around? So it can be an all around thing. It okay. can be across the board. You know, we're all leaders. So, you know, mm-hmm. we can have soldiers that's counterproductive leaders as well as, uh, you know, our senior, you know, um, command as well. So, um, yeah, just kind of, be, you know, uh, talking down to others. Absolutely. Um, you know, just showing little to no respect. Yeah. You know, in the in the formation. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I, you know, I look at this list of counterproductive behaviors: bullying, destroying, just like you mentioned. And yeah, I've definitely you know you encounter some of that. I think you definitely encounter some of that in the army. And I think uh, especially for be uh, you know currently being a captain, being post command, when you're a mid level leader. Uh, some of that stuff, seeing that in your seniors can be very, uh, can be very, especially disturbing because, you know, you, we look to them for that higher level of leadership and you're sort of like the middle person. <laughs> right. So like, you know, if you're a company commander and you're, if it's your brigade commander, your baton commander, and they're displaying some of these traits, when you go back to your formation and, you know, they're like, well, how's everything? Are we doing okay? Is everything all right? And you're like, ah, it's okay. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> so it, you know, when it comes to like inspiring confidence in subordinates, I can see how a lot of these, these behaviors and traits would be, you know, 
kind of, you know, counterproductive, you know, self-explanatory. And soldiers sometimes just don't feel comfortable talking. They have, you know, you have that brand new soldier from Mm -hmm. basic and AIT that has not found their voice yet, Mm -hmm. um, where they don't know how to speak up, give their ideas to their leaders and say, I think we should try this, this type of way. Um, or they might say something and they don't feel like people praise them or value what they have Mm. to say. So when that happens, they just kind of shut down and we don't um, create an environment of inclusivity where everybody just feels like they're a part of the team. So everybody's just not necessarily robots, but they're just there and they show up and Mm. they go home. Doing the bare minimum, just doing their part, not really, not really developing that cohesion. And so what do you think that is it the the soldiers don't feel like they have a voice or do you think that uh, maybe that comes from the leadership too? Maybe they feel like a, a pressure to like, you, you know, uh, we have the army definition of leader as far as like um, leads others, develops others. But, you know, there's a lot of wiggle room. Right. And so uh, what I've what I will see with leaders in, in the army is uh, we feel a pressure to do, you know, and when whether we're doing um, you know, getting the mission done or daily tasks. And I think when we think of providing leadership, we do leadership to our subordinates, which is like, let me come on in here and let me talk to you for 30 minutes about all the things that you need to do and, you know, eating last and doing all that stuff. Do you think that plays into it at all? Or is it uh, is it just soldiers being brand new to a formation? I mean, I think um, we absolutely do have that pressure to do, you know, but it's how we do it um, as leaders. Um, You know, sometimes we have to hurry up and get it done, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, sometimes, you know, it is good to get that feedback from the soldiers, you know, let their voice be heard. Absolutely. Um, And that's, you know, how we continue to develop them as leaders as well, because, you know, one day they're going to fill our shoes. Right. So um, but definitely we do have that, you know, okay, it has to get done. So it's just how we get it done is what what can the great area is where we can find that counterproductive leadership absolutely and i think that that really resonates when you know looking at our subordinates not just as the people we're in charge of but as our replacements right uh and uh you know do you think a counterproductive leader is somebody who looks at their soldiers or their subordinate leaders and sees their replacements or well when you t- when you speak of counterproductive leadership and replacements, it's it's imperative to talk about that. We want Korea to be our choice of assignment, mm-hmm. right? So when soldiers are here and we want them to extend, they extend because of their great leaders being here and saying, you know, I like it, I like it here. I like my leaders. I like my battle buddies. They treat me with dignity and respect. But when soldiers feel that they don't have those things, they don't want to stay here longer. So it's good to put that foot forward so that way when they're telling their buddies or they're getting other people to join the military, come to Korea, right? But if you don't do that, absolutely no, we, and we, I don't, can, we don't get it. Yeah, I tested that 100%. I actually extended uh, because of the great experience I had with uh, my previous leadership. Uh, I was before coming to the payoffs as a battalion S3. And I, you know, working with the XO, working with the baton commander and the sergeant major and even my fellow staff members, I felt, uh, you know, talking about feeling like you have a voice, uh, feeling like you're a member of a team, feeling like you're bringing something to the table and that, you know, the organization is better because you're all uh, doing something together. And I, you know, when you talk about extending in uh, Korea's station of choice, I can 100% say that's why I stayed for another year is because of that uh, outstanding experience. And I, you know, trying to chase, you know, Chase the feeling, I guess. Soldiers stay because they they know they're cared for, right? And then they also know that they can go to have somebody to talk to. A lot of soldiers, this is their first time away from home. Um, So anxiety is high, stress is high. um, But having leaders that show you that they care will only improve 
soldiers wanting to stay. Yeah, that's and you know I think uh, whenever I think of Korea, I think of like it's a cool adventure to come to a new place and try new foods. But we do uh, need to keep in mind that we're away from our support systems. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so yeah, and so as leadership as leaders, we are actually that much more. Uh, involved in the soldiers' lives, it's that much more important for us to be present because they don't have the support that they would normally have at home. You know, you can't even, you can't even call, most of the time you can't even call your family if you're having a bad day because it's four in the, four in the morning over there. Absolutely. <laughs> like you're going to end up waking up mom and dad in the middle of, you know, in the middle of the night. So uh, even simple things like, like that, uh, soldiers don't have available to them over here. So and that's what, as IG, we, it, it doesn't seem like it, but we do assist with those things. A big portion is referring th- those things to the commander, their first sergeant, saying, hey, did your soldier maybe go to FAP, behavioral health? Um, you have those those leeways, as you said. Being myself prior um, uh, post-command, mm-hmm. I have that uh, that uh, experience to be able to give other commanders, did you think about this? Absolutely. And uh, support them, uh, excuse me, refer them to those agencies because the commander does have a lot of work to do. Um, but they need to have those tools and resources where they can say, did, did we try this? Um, sitting down with your soldiers and being able to do those those monthly and those quarterly counselings. So you get to know your soldiers, but sometimes it's just a check the block because everybody's so busy. Right. But those are prime times for us to actually really get to know our soldiers and ask meaningful questions. And the soldiers have time to reflect. So when you say your plan of action, you come back and you refer to how school going or you putting it out in the formation those are all positive reinforcements for having good behaviors and not counterproductive behaviors. So soldiers feel valued when you mention them. It's kind of like that little pat on the back, like they were listening to me. Oh, right. they did get my ideas. It didn't seem like it, but you, it's okay to yeah. ask the soldiers, what do you think about this? And just get their input. Well, you might not be able to do it because maybe the mission won't allow it that's not in our resources but just the fact that you listen letting them be heard yeah right. letting them they be heard and letting, letting them understand that their needs are a priority mm-hmm. in the organization they may not be priority one compared to the mission but absolutely you're, you're keeping in mind yeah i know uh you know having been you know been a, being a subordinate and a leader that's definitely important when you feel like you're just sort of being uh, rolled over or steamrolled over and it doesn't you know everything you say is just kind of going to the wall at you know it, does make you wonder about why you're even a part of that organization and yeah i mean going back to when i was in command and ig as a resource i you know now that i think about it probably some of the best things ig ever did for me was help me because you know uh, when you're in command like you said you have a million things and at any one given in any one given hour of the day you might have 10 things that you're trying to take care of at once and it's easy to forget the resources that you have available to you and uh, i always found ig is like a, a great uh bouncing board you know you kind of talk about some of the issues that you're having and then just like you said uh that uh, in particular uh, i think it, it, uh, i had a few soldiers who uh well we had a social worker from fap actually come and you know give a couple classes we were i was able to get some referrals to fap uh, and uh, that idea kind of came from uh, talking with my ig back in fort hood uh so it absolutely is um you know when we think about the touch points that you guys provide for commanders with their soldiers and then just for commanders because you know it's a busy job it's a hectic job you know one of the most stressful years of your life and to have somebody who can sort of be like hey man like have you tried about this have you have you tried this have you thought about that and i think you know being post command too especially that helps because you, you've been in that seat and you kind of know what it's like so yeah that's awesome yeah whenever i think about ideas as a, as a resource to help or redirect i think that's a i think that's something we definitely don't uh put in the forefront but is probably one of the one of the 
greatest services you guys provide. Absolutely. We so at the, at the IG office, one of our main initiative initiatives right now for the first quarter is just getting out there. We have a new CG. He's getting comfortable with us. We're building that trust with him. Um, so the IG's office is getting out there with units and letting them know, hey, we're available to do teach and trains. We can do small groups, big groups, do LPDs. And we just come out and we talk about a, num- a number of things that we see within the um, formations and, you know, trends. So fraternization, counterproductive leadership, um, any type of um, uh, complaint that we see, we can kind of bring those uh topics to the um to the formation and have a discussion and sit down and talk with the soldiers so awesome and you know i know i feel like i've been focusing on what ig does for commanders but what what about when it comes to ncos as well i know that that's an invaluable service that uh, ig provides as far as you know providing resources and like a bouncing board for ideas so um kind of the same so you know when we're dealing with soldiers you know uh, of course you know i deal with them um, firsthand so um, you know, soldiers come in with many different issues, even, um, you know, maybe even finance issues and things that they're trying to kind of resolve and they don't know how to go about doing it. So not only just being an IG, but being a sergeant first class, you know, that's where I can right. assist those soldiers with, um, you know, different, you know, finance issues. Hey, you know, who do I need to go talk, speak with? You know, have you spoken with your commander, you know? Have you used your open door policy? You know, it kind of explain because a lot of them don't think to go to their commanders, you know, maybe um, a battle buddy of them may, may have said, hey, go straight to IG, go to IG, oh, yeah. you know. So we I give think- them, you know, reiterate, you know, the, you know, what the steps to take, you know, before going to the IG, you know, kind of to better resolve their situation. Because the first question we ask is your command yes. aware. <laughs> it's not yeah. that we want to. It's not that we want to stop the soldiers from coming to right. see us. Right. But ultimately, we're gonna refer the. We're gonna call the the commander and say, "Hey, we received," and Absolutely. they're gonna. And, they're not gonna know what's going on. Right. And just giving that respect, you know, to the commander, Absolutely. giving them a chance to fix their formation or to address, you know, issues within their formation that they may have or may not be aware of. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, going back to the fact that. There's so many things going on at once. Uh, it's easy for something to, or when I think about prioritization, you know, when you're in command and you're trying to prioritize things, right. uh, things that might seem simple from your point of view are actually a uh, bigger deal for those soldiers. And sometimes getting that getting that phone call, I'm like, hey, you have a soldier who's, who's been having this issue. It's like, uh, well, yeah, I know that it's a minor minor pay issue. And then really understanding the full scope of it, it's like, oh, wow, that is not a minor pay issue. I need to get on. I need to call somebody. I need to call finance. I need to, to do this. That, that can be an important redirect uh, as far as for commanders and connecting soldiers to commanders as well. Right. Absolutely. That puts the fa- the soldier first. And mm-hmm. we, we're always, you know, talking about people first, soldier first, taking care Absolutely. of our soldier. And if your soldier has a finance issue and you're able to combat that, the soldier knows you care. Absolutely. That, that stops the soldier from having to get an AER loan, right? Yeah. There, it, there's trickling effects to what you do to assist a soldier so that way they don't end up hurting hurting themselves in the end, not necessarily physically, but emotionally spiraling and, and getting out of control because now they have a finance and they can't keep Absolutely. up with their family. And that's especially present. You know, this September is Suicide Prevention Month. Here in 19th DSC, and we talk about the skills and resources that can help soldiers, um, you know, deal with stress, deal with stressors, cope, be more resilient. Uh, and it sounds like IG is an important resource for that. Uh, the classes, the classes is kind of new to me. What kind of classes and LPDs do you guys provide? 
So we do classes on, um, so normally we do an in brief with all company commanders and first mm-hmm. sergeant. We highly encourage them to come to our office, sit down with us one-on-one, and we just kind of provide their left and right limits. We explain to them our purpose as the IGU, what it is we do, kind of like what we're doing here today, yeah. <laughs> a little bit, but a little bit more formal. Um, we also do fraternization classes, counterproductive. Um, we can kind of mix that in a little bit mm-hmm. with some type of training, but we primarily stick to the issues we see how to do finance um so if we see those type of issues we'll just kind of refer back to those concepts when we're giving out but usually our biggest ones um are we provide a training at the sharp ambassador course we provide fraternization and then counterproductive leadership but we're also willing to always add something in but those are our big ones that we provide to the formations yeah absolutely definitely important skills to help build and maintain that resilience. So kind of going back to the subject of uh, counterproductive leadership, uh, what um, if I'm so what is the difference between like, say, I've had a hard day, I'm, I'm a command, well, kind of going back to putting that commander hat back on. So I've had a long day and I'm tired. And you know, I, I I'm kind of making mistakes, like going back to the soldier who like, oh, wow, they're fine. And their pay issue was a minor issue. And I didn't even realize it. Am I, am I being a counterproductive leader? Uh, because I'm exasperated and exhausted and I'm, I'm making some mistakes here and there? No, no, absolutely not. That's So usually what you see with counterproductive leadership, it's over time. Um, it's reoccurring, not necessarily just that one time. We're all going to have bad days. We're all entitled to a bad day, you know. But in, And what you do is when you had a bad day, even if it's not right then and there, maybe you go back to that soldier when you reflect and say, hey, Yesterday was hard, right? You're talking <laughs> right. to them. You're, you don't necessarily have to say you're sorry, so right. to speak, but you're pulling that soldier that you know you kind of were a little more harsher on and mm. say, man, some, yesterday was hard. I think I, you know, just having that one-on-one, because then they realize he's human too. Right. She's human too. They Absolutely. make mistakes. Um and you get their feedback. How did you feel about the training? What, you know, because all these things come up and, you just have to be human. We have to no, provide that to that empathy and sympathy to people. Yeah, and I and I think we just have to be more self-aware, you know, so when we are having those bad days, you know, and, you know, we need to be aware that, okay, I am having a bad day. So, you know, if a soldier is coming to you, you know, confining you about anything, mm-hmm. you know, and especially, you know, finance, a pay issue, you know, that is something that we need to, you know, kind of take serious at that time, address at that time, um, or, you know, um, Find somebody that could, you know, Absolutely. maybe help the soldier. Yeah, if, you're, yeah, if right. you don't have the answer, find the person with the answer or, you know, put them on the right road. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it is definitely, um, I, that, once again, I think that's always the, the most difficult part of being a leader is feeling like you have to have the right answers, feeling like you, you, you know, when we talk about presence, having presence mm-hmm. in front of your formation. I think we forget that empathy cuts both ways. Uh, we have to be empathetic for our soldiers, but uh, our soldiers, when we when we show our humanity, when we show them like, hey, you know, I used to be like you or uh, talking about inspiring them to aspire to our positions or become our replacements, you know, they, when they see that we're people, they maybe they think our, our jobs are something that they can do as well, you know. Like you don't have to be Superman to, to be a commander or a first sergeant or a platoon sergeant or a platoon leader. You just have to be empathetic and caring. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what uh, – so for, you know, going back to Suicide Prevention Month, so what uh, – what classes do you guys uh, provide do you think that are 
are particularly helpful when, when we talk about building those resiliency skills. I know we talk about finance, uh, you know, directing people to finance fraternization, but are there any like, co- uh, I don't think you guys provide classes on coping mechanisms or that's more of a behavioral health thing, right? Right. That is okay. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely okay. Well, behavioral health. No, about misconception. So with, with this, we, in our IG office, we come with a lot of talents just like anybody mm-hmm. else. And Sergeant First Class Pickett, she went, just recently went to the master resiliency training oh, course. Nice. So we said, Hey, it's, it's not uncommon that in the Army we go to a school and do we ever get to use it unless yeah. we have a point, like unless you're getting appointed to do it. Yeah. So, you know, this month and this month alone, we, you know, ask, could we get her in and say, hey, can she give some training, you know, not blurring the hats because we definitely don't want people no, to be I'm like sorry. IG said <laughs> You know, it's okay to I, spiral. My last, I, yeah, my last IG uh, gave me resiliency training. They fixed my printer. Like, what right. are you guys doing? So, but definitely that she has that training. Um, she's able to talk to people and just kind of give them those things. That's the good thing about uh, MRT. It's mm-hmm. not Army regulated, but you're talking about psychology Absolutely. and cognitive thinking. And those things still help us when we're talking to the soldiers in our office because they're spiraling. They're going out of control. Absolutely. They just want answers. Mm-hmm. Commanders too, <laughs> yeah. depending on what's going I'm on. But I'm she'll have yeah. that ability to be able to provide some type of feedback. Mm-hmm. She might not go all in to hunt the good stuff right there. Right. But yeah, absolutely. No, she'll yeah, have that, a, that, that knowledge skill, base yeah. to kind of get them going. Yeah. And I think, you know, really any leader, uh, I think uh, being a counselor is definitely in the job description. Absolutely. Uh, you know, trying to, trying to help somebody who's, you know, spiraling or maybe having a bad day and or somebody who doesn't even who is in your office doesn't even want to talk to you in the first place, and trying to convince them like, hey, it's okay to it's okay to tell me something, help me understand what what's happening, and like you know when you talk about the being patient yourself and right. um, you know the skills that you need to address those people. What would you say as a leader are some of the most uh, like uh, useful skills that I mean I'm sure they're all useful skills, but when you when uh, for master resiliency course, what, what do you think are the most uh, precious skills that you picked up that you probably use every day? Um, definitely maybe real time resilience. Um, it's one, um, assertive communication, you know, assertive communication is another one. And that's, you know, a few, just a few of the ones that we're going to be talking about, you know, coming up this month. Um, but I think, you know, with MRT and some of the other things like, uh, with counterproductive leadership, I think it's better to kind of just beat it to the punch. So Mm -hmm. with noticing, you know, or realizing it before it happens. So, um, the, so you're talking about like, you know, are you, are you a good leader using counterproductive, beginning to use counterproductive skills? Are you an individual who maybe doesn't have as much empathy as they should have? So I want to give the example. Yeah, she, she said one that was assertive yeah, yeah. communication. And yeah. you asked in the beginning how we use assertive communication to be able to get our, to be able to talk to our leaders. Yeah. Sometimes soldiers don't have, that assertive communication where they can go and share their ideas because they're scared. They never had to talk in front of people. Absolutely. A lot of them are just out of high school. So and I think nowadays too, the the public speaking, you know, right. the way in our digital age, that's not a, a skill that we practice. As I much can as put it on time. Facebook and right. Twitter. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. I don't need to be able to talk yeah. out loud. <laughs> um, so being able to give those tips of how to effectively communicate with mm-hmm. people will allow the soldier in, trend, in turn to be able to go to their commanders, go to their first sergeants, 
Absolutely. use those open door policies because they don't realize they even have that. It's not just the open door with your commander. You also have the open door with your battalion commander Absolutely. and your brigade commander. <laughs> you have as high as you resources. want to go, yeah. But the main question, like Sergeant First Class Piggott said, was did you let your chain of command mm-hmm. know? Because they're going to want to, they're going to ask them. So it's best to just keep all parties involved. Like, well, yes, I did talk to my, my company commander, but I feel like he can't help me mm-hmm. or she can't help me. Um, or I did talk to my first sergeant, but I didn't. Maybe they didn't like the answer they got. Sometimes yeah, we have to go higher up with the food chain. I've, yeah, I've definitely, um, I've definitely seen the, yeah, I've definitely seen the soldiers who, you know, they they came, they use my open door policy, and they they didn't like the answer they heard, so they use the battalion commander's open policy. And I mean, but you know, it's it's a part of the system, right. you know, and, and that it, it it is a right that soldiers have to you know continue engaging up the chain of command. And you know, I, I think eventually once they kind of keep hearing the same answer, they realize, okay, well. Maybe this this is just the what the situation is. Right, right. So what are what are some tips from assertive like what are like two tips you could give me from being to become a more assertive communicator? Um, just being you know when somebody's speaking with you, you know, kind of being receptive of the information, okay. being able to give them that feedback and um, engaging you know what they're saying, um, not being distracted. I know a lot of times you know a soldier may come to us and say you know, maybe in a panic and you're, ma- you may be occupied right. and Hey, sorry, I need this and that. And, you know, just kind of brushing them off, you know, that's yeah. not something we want to do, you know, cause right, that right. may be the time, you know, that they, you know, really, really may need you. Um, so just kind of, uh, addressing the situation or say, Hey, you know, giving them that feedback. Hey, I hear you. You know, I see this is what's going on, but you know, maybe at this time, can you give me just a second and then revisit, you know, the situation at hand and right. um, give them the assistance they may need, but definitely engage in um, what he or she is saying. Um, I know a lot, you know, a lot of times we are in our phone or something like that when somebody's talking to us and, you know, we don't seem like we're actively listen, listening. Right. So um, we definitely want to, you know, kind of pause all other means of distractions. And yeah, kinda just, so easy to be distracted nowadays. Too. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for coming. And so I think so. It's a a tradition on the podcast that uh, for every guest that we have, we ask, "What is your favorite part of being stationed in uh, Daegu, Korea?" Oh wow, I've been here since 2018. Oh wow, I do, it all it's all a blur at this point. But <laughs> um, I would definitely say just the culture, the mm-hmm. politeness. Um, it's it's refreshing just to be people actually just speak to you on the elevator at least it's just say hello i mean you'll go back to the states and people probably won't say hi anymore so that's <laughs> just the friendliness of least even if they're having a bad day they're still gonna bow and say yeah, hello absolutely. yeah they're really yeah they're replied yeah i definitely love the culture um the food is amazing oh yes Agreed. and of course i love to shop so i think i'm gonna do that anywhere <laughs> i go <laughs> yeah i think my closet's doubled in size since oh, yeah, i arrived absolutely. to south korea well, thank you guys so much. Uh, this has been the Inspector General's Office. Thank you for coming to the podcast. Thank Hope you. And, and I just want to mention, so if you do want to come to our office, we have a hotline. You can uh, oh, please, make. Yeah. Um, you can come see us at on Camp Henry. We're right behind the bus stop building. Thirteen oh seven. There we go. And we're always pretty much available, you know. And if we can't um, take you right then and there, we'll make an appointment for you to come back in. But it's. Um, we're a staff of three right now, <laughs> myself, Sergeant First Class Pickett, and Sergeant First Class um, Schaefer. And then we'll have our incoming um, SIG uh, at the end of this month, and then we'll have a civilian come in. So we'll then be a full team okay, nice. go, um, going into the uh, second quarter with more experience and really ready to help the, uh, the footprint 
So don't be shy. Yeah, Commander talk about being busy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We, even though we might be low staff, we're still ready to assist personnel with any kind of problems. And some of them are really quick. We're able to just mm-hmm. push them and say, hey, we can fix this in like 10 minutes because it's just right. assistance referral. Awesome. Uh, do you do you happen to have the hotline number? Um, I do not. That was a good one. <laughs> no problem. Well, there is a hotline. We know, and uh, and we know where you guys are located. And we'll we'll make sure we get that the the information for the hotline put on to the podcast okay. as well. So, thank you, Cam Delaney and Sergeant Pickett, for joining me on this podcast. This has been Captain Mukchi from the 19th ECPA office. This has been the Every Soldier Counts podcast. Please join us next time. Thank you so much for listening.